Well, it's good to have you here tonight, and I'd like to take your Bibles, and let's turn, if we could, to the book of John here to begin with here tonight. Again, we're looking at some thoughts on uh, evangelism, the manners in which we should reach out. We looked at there last week, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ reached out to that woman in the, at the well, and uh, we see their example of uh, someone making a contact with someone else, and we looked at some uh, practical points on what to do with a contact. And uh, we looked at some things also from some other scriptures on this matter. Uh, John chapter 4, in verse number 4, the Bible says, And he, speaking of Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near unto a parcel ground which Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus at the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh the woman of Samaria to drink water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now, I'm not going to go through all this again here tonight, but I will learn some thoughts on what to do with contacts, and just want to mention those as a review here tonight. Uh, when it comes to contacts, first of all, we need to make contact. Secondly, we need to sow God's word with the contact. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 37 says, One soweth and another reapeth. And so we need to sow God's word uh, at least a little bit with the contact. We need to sow questions uh, in the heart of the contact and strive to bring, again, the contact as far as we can. And we need to be willing to go everywhere to make contact, pray uh, for our contacts and revisit contracts. And again, that's just some thoughts there. Uh, from last week's message, but I'd like you to take your Bibles and, and turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 16 here tonight, Acts chapter 16. Um, <clears throat> again, as we look at Acts chapter 16, we've been over here a few times in our study of the book of Acts. We've looked at this passage. We looked at this passage a little bit, again, when we were uh, looking at some thoughts on evangelism, but I'm going to come back here this evening as we consider here tonight some practical pointers on uh, how to have a personal Bible study. And again, I think this is one of the passages of scriptures we could go to in the Bible that shows us, again, some things about a Bible study. And so we're going to start by looking here at this passage here tonight. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse number 7. The Bible says, And after they had come to Mysia, Again, that's Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. As they come to Mysia, they say to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing through Mysia, came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed unto him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after you had seen the vision immediately, we endeavored to go to Macedonia, surely gathered that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came at a straight course to Samanthrica, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in the city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a river side where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. A certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended on those saints which were spoken of Paul. 
When she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Tonight I'd like to look at some thoughts on Bible study and uh, how to establish an eternal life Bible study. Let's consider this thought here tonight. Father, again, thank you for your word. I do thank you again for the power it has. It has the power to give each of us eternal life. It has the power to give anyone eternal life. And as we consider some thoughts here on having a Bible study, something, again, that any one of us who are saved could have with somebody else, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to see what goes into that sort of a study. Again, uh, just ask for your help here tonight. Give us your direction and speak through your spirit here tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Now, I just want to consider some thoughts here tonight and hopefully practical when it comes to this subject of having a Bible study. I know many Christians fear having a Bible study with someone else because they say, you know, I just really don't know what to do, especially when it comes to maybe an eternal life kind of a Bible study. And I hope again to help you with some of these things here, not just tonight, but into the, in the weeks to come. If I could explain how to have an eternal life kind of a Bible study, I would first of all understand this Bible study would be centered around eternal life. And certainly, again, I believe this Bible study that these individuals were with, uh, Paul there, uh, along this uh, river there, we're involved with a kind of a Bible study. And I say that by uh, the words that are used here. Uh, verse number 13, it says, And we sat down and spake unto the women which, pre which resorted thither, or resorted there. Um, they spake to the women. They sat down. Again, when we're talking about preaching, preaching is not normally done in a sitting kind of a setting, a standing kind of a setting. In a Bible study, is many times done in a sitting kind of position. And so again, as we consider some thoughts from this passage and other uh, passages of scriptures here tonight, I want us to consider what might go to an average Bible study. There are four elements again here tonight that I'd like us to consider when it comes to a Bible study. First of all, we must initiate or engage in prospects in a Bible study. And uh, in verse number 13, we find again, uh, Paul uh, told in a vision to go to Macedonia, speak the gospel, to bring the gospel to the people there. And again, he goes to Philippi. It mentions there in verse number 12, the chief part of the city. And uh, it says there in verse number 12, it says, we were in that city abiding certain days. And so he spent some time within the city. And then it says, on the Sabbath day, we went out to, of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake with the women which resorted thither. And so we find in the Bible uh, these evangelists, these preachers, these teachers of the word of God enlist themselves in initiating and engaging some people in Bible study. Who are the Bible study prospects here? Well, it says there, verse number 13, they sat down and spake with the women which resorted thither. And so there was a number of women uh, that were praying at this particular location, this riverside location on the Sabbath day, and they initiated contact with these gals there. And I believe they engaged in an eternal life kind of a Bible study. Again, we don't see, again, a lot of the elements, uh, again, here in this study. We only see, again, some of the results of this study. We see, again, 
Lydia come into a place where she listens and attends to the word of God? Verse, 13, uh, uh, verse 14 says that. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended on those things which are spoken of Paul. And so Paul must have been the lead person in this Bible study. It mentions they spake unto the women there. They sat down there. But here Paul engages with these ladies there alongside him. If you go back to verse number one is Timotheus. Timotheus now had joined again uh, Paul's missionary team. Again, Paul had gone out with Silas. He had left the church there. And uh, as he traveled there, he picked up Timotheus along the way. Luke also was with him as you find him talking about us here, the writer included here. And so there are four men and several women. It doesn't tell us how many there, but uh, women that resorted there. And they're in a place of praying. And again, I just want to say this. When you initiate a Bible study with someone else, maybe you want to look for someone who, again, would want to know more about the Bible or someone, again, who seems to be spiritually at least trying to seek the truth and make contact maybe with God. And again, when I talk about having an eternal life Bible study, I'm talking about having a Bible study that centers around life, death, and eternity. These are the most important things in life. Life, death, and eternity. You will spend your life, and everybody will spend their life in eternity someday. Every person needs eternal life. They may not know how to get it, but they need eternal life. And death awaits every person that is born into this world. And so your message will center around these three subjects, life, death, and eternity. You'll make contact. You'll again seek to again engage in a contact. And again, when it comes to uh, this time of Bible study, I want to just say this. You'll have to, in, in some ways, uh, seek to petition with whoever you make contact with and ask them about setting up a time to study the Bible. And you might say something along the lines, is there a time we could study on the subject of eternal life together? Would you be willing to study on eternal life with me at some point? Are you curious about eternal life? Would you like to know that you have eternal life? Would it be possible for us to have an eternal life kind of a Bible study? And you ask them, do they have time? Are they willing to spend time uh, studying on this particular subject. Maybe they say, well, I've got eternal life figured out. I don't have any interest in this matter. I remember talking to a guy that was probably in his late 70s, early 80s, and he said, you know, I have eternal life figured out. I know what it's all about. I asked him about having an eternal life kind of Bible study. He says, no, I just really want need something like that. And you can't push someone into a study, but you can certainly, again, seek to, again, encourage someone to study on that matter. Maybe you'd ask him a question along those lines. Have you ever studied on eternal life? And do you know for sure you have eternal life? I know that's pretty pointed. But, you know, we live in a day where people, again, are thinking a lot more about death. And with that, I believe, again, maybe it's time that some of us would be prone to ask more people, would you be willing to study the Bible with me on the matter of eternal life? We're not going to talk about political issues. We're not going to engage in other kinds of subjects. We're going to respect your time. We're going to spend our time focused on one particular matter, and the heart of the matter now is eternal life. So you need to petition concerning a time. 
You'd also need a petition concerning a narrow scope of that study. We're going to study on eternal life. We're not getting sidetracked on a lot of different issues. We could talk to a lot of different issues, but we're going to save that for another time. But I want to spend uh, one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, maybe a little longer, trying to talk to you about eternal life. I want to spend a minimum of one hour with you talking about this subject. And someone might say, well, that's not much time. Or someone might say, well, that's certainly a lot of time. But what is four hours of your life compared to eternity? What kind of a study could you spend just four weeks on? Four hours, maybe in those four weeks on. And maybe bring a person to understanding eternal life. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of different studies you could use. But again, I, again, I have used, I will use, and I continue to use largely the Eternal Life Bible Study by Doug Hammond. Basics when it comes to salvation or salvation basics. We have, again, several of these studies in, inside the nursery. If you haven't read through that study, I encourage you to read through it. You know, there's people that have discovered through that study they're not saved, and they know it for sure. They know it for sure because the Bible says they don't have a time and place of salvation. They don't have a time, again, when they knew they were lost and when they were found. And so, again, eternal life Bible study. Let me say this about that. Uh, initiating, engaging the prospect. You need a petition to, for a time to meet. Uh, thirdly, you need to set a place and a time to meet. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse number 13, it says, And on the Sabbath, when we went out of the city, you know, on the Sabbath, it might be good for you to pick a day that many people, again, are, are resting from their work or what they're doing. Eternal life kind of Bible study, again, might center around, hey, when would it work for you to have a Bible study? I understand you're busy. I understand I'm busy. I'm starting to understand this whole world's very busy. But when would it work for you to have a, a time when we could meet over the next several weeks together? Set a, set a time. Again, remind before the Bible study that you're going to be meeting. Again, with the technology we have, you can send a text the day of or the day before that just before the Bible study or email or call or whatever it might be and, and help them to, to stick with the time to study on eternal life. Acts chapter 16, verse number 4. Now the place of Bible study certainly will vary from person to person and, 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 and situation to situation, but you see in there verse number 13, it says there, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city by a riverside. Uh, they had a riverside Bible study. They studied the scriptures together. Paul led that Bible study. Lydia's heart was open to the things of God, and she was attended to those things that, again, Paul taught. And she was later baptized, and Paul wouldn't just baptize her because she wanted to be baptized, but she was someone who believed the message of God that she heard. And so we see the place of Bible study was a riverside. And again, when I talk about having a Bible study, you need to seek an appropriate place to meet. An appropriate place to meet. And again, it might be a public place, as we see here, a riverside. It might be somewhere like a coffee shop. It might be this very church building. Or maybe somewhere else that would be quiet so you could meet at. And again, you're going to meet at this place for the specific purpose of studying on the subject of eternal life. 
You know, it depends on the situation there, but you see again in this, this passage of Scripture, you see four guys meeting with some other gals, and it's good that they were meeting in a public setting. And again, sometimes I believe, again, when it comes to, again, meeting with someone else, you might have to have a partner come with you. You see there in Acts chapter 16, verse number 13, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city, and uh, says, uh, and we sat down and spake with the women that resorted thither. And they say, why would you need a partner maybe to come with you? Well, sometimes you need a partner maybe to quiet children that might be involved in that household. And someone might be come, come to that Bible study for the express purpose just to be with the kids so that maybe mom or dad or mom or dad or however it might be uh, can listen to the word of God and can, uh, can attend to those things which the leader of that Bible study is trying to teach them. There's a lot of distractions to a Bible study. And again, I just want to mention that. When you walk in the house and you're going to have a Bible study, someone has a team off and you can quietly and, uh, again, uh, confidently encourage them to turn off the TV. And most people say, oh, sure, I'll turn that off. That's just background noise anyways. You might encourage them to put out the pets if they have pets in the house so that they won't be distracted by pets or whatever it might be. Or children... Ask them maybe if they have younger children, maybe their children could go and play for a while or do something that might, again, keep them, keep the others from distractions. But sometimes there's need for a partner. And again, certainly, again, that would be in the case of a, maybe uh, several different situations. But, and I won't go into those, but sometimes you need a partner when it comes to study. Let me say this fourthly, when it comes to that study, when you initiate and engage in a contact there, you need to pray before that study. Let's turn to Mark chapter 16. Uh, Mark chapter 16, Acts chapter uh, uh, 15 there we uh, sorry, Acts chapter 16 there we see again them being led of the Spirit uh, to wh where to go and who to visit in, in a sense there. Uh, they went to Macedonia because God called them to go and they accepted that call to go there. And again, when it comes to engaging with other peoples, we seek to, to reach out to them wherever they might be. Acts chapter 6 there, verse number 35, it's needful that we should pray before we are sent out. And uh, again, you find here in uh, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 6, and, and verse number 7, it says, He called unto him uh, the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing. I mentioned some other things there in, in verse number 12 it says and they went out and preached that men should repent and so we find in the bible some being sent and we see them sent two by two and they're sent that men should repent but you also find in in the book of mark that you'll find again praying that takes place before that and uh turn back to mark chapter 3 verse number 13 it says, and he goeth up to the mountain, calleth unto him whom he would, and they came to him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach. And uh, you'll find him going up to a mountain. And again, you'll find that if you, uh, again, look at the parallel accounts in Matthew and Luke, you'll find that before he sent them, he uh, spent some time in prayer before they were sent. You know, to have a Bible study, we should pray before we are sent or before we go. We should pray while we're having that Bible study. And just before, again, we 
talk to them about the things we're going to talk to them about. We should pray after that Bible study, after we leave the house. But let me say this, you need to prepare for that Bible study. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You need to gather some materials together to talk to them about the subject of eternal life. And uh, it would be good for you to kind of be familiar with some of the, the, the materials this church has. We do have some materials when it comes to Bible study on the back table there in the nursery. There's certainly a lot of different things online and uh, that sort of thing. There's things that you could create of your own nature. But uh, you need to gather some things together. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so you need, need to be, uh, again, familiar with life and eternal life and how one can gain eternal life. And there's a lot of good tracks, again, that we have here at the church, that gospel track that we have that talks about eternal life. We have another track, the most important thing you must consider. Again, we have a church with an eagle on the front that talks about eternal life. All these talk about the subject of eternal life. Again, on the back table, you have a booklet there, Ultimate Questions. Again, that deals with eternal life. There's eternal life Bible studies all throughout the church building here that you can use. There's a four-part, again, uh, Bible study there on the back table. Again, it's just a simple fill-in-the-blank type of Bible studies that you could have with different individuals too. There might be a supplement to maybe a four-part series. But again, we need to be ready to teach. And we can only be ready to teach if we're studying. And we have some... Maybe, again, knowledge when it comes to eternal life by personal experience, but also knowledge when it comes to the Bible so we can share the words of eternal life. And so we must be able to teach. Let's turn to John chapter 4. It might be good for you to find out maybe on that first contact or soon after that first contact a little bit about maybe uh, what their religious background is. They might be a Baptist by faith. They might be a Lutheran by faith. They might be a Muslim by faith. They might be a Mormon by faith. They might be, again, a Catholic by faith. might be good for you to understand a little bit of what they believe about eternal life or what they might believe as far as eternal life. Some might say they're a Catholic, and so they believe eternal life is this way. They might be Catholic and might not even believe what Catholics believe. They might be a Baptist and not even believe what Baptists believe. And on and on it goes. But uh, John chapter 4 and uh, verse number 9, you might want to, again, understand at least somewhat where they come from. It says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a, Samar a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 20, it says, Our fathers worship in this mountain. You say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You know, people are going to be coming from a different point of view. They're going to have different ideas about eternal life. When you talk about eternal life, they might think, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you've got eternal life. You believe in Jesus, you've got eternal life. Simply you just believe in Jesus. Anybody who believes in Jesus has eternal life. You might have to point to them, you know, the devils also believe and tremble. The book of James says that. Simple belief in a Jesus of the Bible doesn't give one eternal life. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. You need to find out maybe a little bit where they're coming from. And let me say this also in a Bible study setting as you're preparing for that, uh, that, that study or consequence studies. You need to be ready to hear during those studies. You need to ask them questions. You need to seek 
feedback. It's not a lecture. It might be a lesson, but the seeker needs to be able and willing to have a, an exchange of conversation with you. You're the gospel worker. You might be the teacher and they are the student, but the student needs to be, again, in a place where they can speak to you about eternal life. Acts 16, verse number 4, it says, We sat down and spake on the women that resorted thither. And there was a chain exchange that took place there. And even after this woman had been saved and been baptized, it says in verse number 15, And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and bide there. And she constrained us. They created a relationship in that very short time that they were together. And we certainly, again, in a Bible study situation, should be seeking to to create a relationship with the gospel, but also a relationship with that person. Let's turn to Acts chapter 8. Again, in seeking to have a Bible study, we must initiate and engage the prospect. with a petition concerning a time. We must narrow the scope of the study to the subject of eternal life. We set a time and a place to meet. We must prepare each, each time to study on the scriptures, and teach them something from the word of God. We see an example of this also in Acts chapter 8, verse number 31, as again, I believe we see Philip in a situation where he was also in a scripture or Bible study. Acts chapter 8, verse number 31, it says, and how can I, and he said, how can I accept some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him, and the place of scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb. Done before the shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? This, of this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and preached at the same scripture, uh, sorry, and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. We see the average way of a Bible study is coming and sitting with another person. Coming and sitting with another person, I just want to mention again, you must be willing to be a compassionate teacher that sits alongside someone who's maybe open to eternal life and wants eternal life and maybe he's confused about eternal life. And begin to teach him from the scriptures on this subject. And so the first point here tonight on having a personal Bible study is you must enlist and engage and initiate uh, with prospects. Let me say this, number two, you must establish scriptural authority for why you are there. Acts chapter 8 there. And uh, verse number 35, it says, And Philip opened his mouth, it was his mouth, and began at that same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You just need to establish authority. And again, if you're going to talk about eternal life, it's going to center around Jesus, the Savior of this world. Again, you need to Use the scriptures. I'm not saying use it. That's probably the wrong word to use even there. You need to expound the scriptures. You need to teach from the scriptures. You need to show from the scriptures 
how one can have faith in Jesus Christ. How is that faith attained? Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. How is faith attained? Someone says, well, you, you come to someone, they want to know about eternal life, and, and, and they have questions about eternal life, and you say uh, to that person, you know, this is how eternal life is. And how do they get that faith uh, to believe the Bible? Well, you must share the scriptures with them. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 says this plainly, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If they are to have faith, and the faith that saves, they need to hear from the scriptures. It's not teaching about traditions, sects, denominations, or whatever it might be. It centers around the scriptures. And it leads to simply this. Let's turn to Mark chapter 11. They must have faith in God. They must trust in God. They must place their faith in the scriptures. They must trust the scriptures. They must believe the scriptures. They must have the faith that the scripture produces. The goal of that Bible study is to bring them to a place that they'll exercise faith in God. Mark chapter 11 and uh, verse number 22 it says, But I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment and thou Capernaum, which was exalted above heaven, thou shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee uh, had, uh, had been done in Sodom, it would remain to this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for uh, the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. They need to have faith in God. I mean, Jesus came to places. He preached the truth to different peoples. And those that had faith in God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ were saved. Those that trusted in Jesus Christ were saved. And so establish authority. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. What is that authority? You know, someone might say, you know, well, you're a Baptist. You know, you got your faith system. I got my faith system. We got ideas about eternal life. And, and they seem to vary. And, and how do I know that what you're talking about when it comes to eternal life is true? Well, 1 John chapter 5, verse number 11 to verse number 13 are certainly some verses that should be shared in an eternal life kind of a Bible study situation. And not to say you have to share these, but they are good for us to share. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 11, the Bible says, For this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You'll see there again where the belief for eternal life must be set on. It says twice there in verse number 13, believe on the name of the Son of God. Believe on the name of the Son of God. The purpose of a Bible study is to point out who Jesus is, what sin is, what salvation entails. And you need to establish authority that what you're going to teach is on the subject of eternal life, what the Bible says about eternal life, that God has given us the hope of eternal life, that we can have eternal life, that we can know that we have eternal life, and how can we know that? Verse 13, these things have I written unto you 
that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. How can you know you have eternal life? The Bible says you can have eternal life, and you can know you can have it. And Titus says that God can't lie. And so in hope of eternal life with God that cannot lie, promised before the world began, is possible for everyone to have and to obtain by faith and through repentance. And so thirdly, I want to say this about essentials for Bible study. Thirdly, we must seek to avoid foolish questions. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You're going to have a Bible study with someone, and I'm not saying, again, uh, questions won't come up, because certainly questions will come up. If you start talking about the Bible, people are going to ask questions about the Bible. And there's nothing wrong with sincere questions. I mean, honest questions, childlike questions. Biblical questions. All those questions need to be addressed. But notice here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 23, it says, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And so I just want to say this. Again, the student should be open to ask questions and to be given answers. But if there's foolish questions... Again, questions that have nothing to do with eternal life or have nothing really to do with anything when it comes to the Bible, they should be avoided. Someone wants to just argue with you, wants again to have a, a debate with you or debate with me, just avoid that. Turn to Titus chapter 3. You might bring them back and say, hey, remember, you know, when we decide on having this Bible study, we were going to center at least the four, four lessons on eternal life. Now, after that, we'll address all kinds of issues if you'd like to. But I'd like to center the first part of this Bible study on eternal life. Paul writes to Timothy and tells him to avoid questions, unlearned questions and foolish questions. He tells Titus to do the same thing here. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 9, it says, But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Some might say, well, I, does the Bible have slaves in it? Yeah, it does. That's in the question. I mean, someone could ask you all kinds of different things. And most questions you'll see what Jesus, he did address, but he did so briefly and, and uh, certainly uh, scripturally. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. You know, there'd be questions sometimes asked that just should be avoided. You know, you might say simply, we can talk about that another time. Or as I do, I normally, again, especially as you're having a Bible study, maybe week after week or month after month or whatever it might be, you might be, you know, that's something we can address down the road. That's something we can address after we've studied through this study. Uh, I guess tonight we could talk about some of those things after the lesson. But uh, we're going to spend at least uh, most of the lesson on eternal life. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 1, it says, And at that time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst thereof and said, Verily I say unto you, except the man be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever there shall, for shall humble himself as a little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You see them ask the question. His disciples ask the question. You see Jesus answer that question. Let's turn to Acts chapter 19. 
This kind of, this, it was common for Jesus to ask, answer questions of those that were genuine, sincere. But you would see again, both with him, Paul, and any preacher who again was of a thinking nature, that certain questions should be avoided because they can just lead to strife, contentions, things that are unprofitable, things that are vain. Matthew chapter 19, verse number 16, it says, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit, that I may have eternal life? Uh, Matthew 19, verse 16, the rich Rangulo asked him, Hey, what I need to do, what good thing do I have to do to have eternal life? Now, he, he's confused about eternal life. And so Jesus explains to him how he can have eternal life. And certainly, again, with good questions and honest questions, we need to address them. In working with the contact, we need to discern, again, through religious discussion with them, again, where they are spiritually. It's good for them to ask questions. It's good for us to ask questions. There's some people that just want to learn and learn and learn. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. What do you mean by that? I mean, I remember after, this was several years ago, but after several years of having uh, people go through the in-home Bible study that we sent out through the mail, I began to visit some of the contacts that, uh, that went through all seven parts. Some people that went through six parts, some people that went through five parts, etc. And some of the people maybe through five parts I would stop by and say, hey, you know, I just was stopping by and I just wanted to know if you're interested in continuing with that Bible study. And they would say yes or no or I'm done or whatever it might be. And I remember knocking on an apartment there in Jamestown. And I can tell you what building it is. I can tell you what floor it is. I can probably point to the apartment it is. And I walked in this apartment and I met a guy. And uh, long story short, I mean, he had been through Bible study after Bible study. He had a binder of every certificate he had from all kinds of Bible studies. He had one from this church and that church and another church and that church. And the first thing he would do, he showed me all these Bible studies he had. And uh, he talked about, you know, hey, uh, yeah, I finished your Bible study too. And look at all these other ones I completed. And, you know, I'm actually a minister, technically, of the gospel. Anyways... Uh, I mean, all I could see was a guy wanting to do Bible studies. Be like somebody wanting to study science. I want to just see all the stuff that deals with science. Uh, he didn't have any interest in coming to church. All he liked to do was complete another Bible study. And Bible study after Bible study. The Bible says here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 7, it says, Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Learning, learning, learning. Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. But again, when you're talking to someone about Bible study, you need to, again, get to the point where you deal with salvation. Salvation. And whether they want to accept or reject salvation. Let's turn to John chapter 1. Let me say this. Fourthly and finally, when it comes to a Bible study, you must keep the Bible study on course. Uh, John chapter 1. The, the Bible study, keep it on course. That means, again, we're going to study together. We're going to spend four weeks or whatever it might be, maybe a little longer than that. And we're going to study on the subject of eternal life. We're going to take a look at lesson one. We're going to spend about an hour on lesson one. We're going to review that lesson. We're going to go on to lesson two. And then we're going to go on to lesson three. We're going to go on to lesson four. 
And when it's all said and done, you'll know what it takes for you to have eternal life. But you need to keep people on course because a lot of people are distracted and can get easily distracted. And you can get distracted and you need to keep them on course. John chapter 1, verse number 11, it says, He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on this name, which are born not of blood, nor the will of man, nor the will of the flesh, but of God. Again, in engaging in a, in a Bible study, you can guarantee there's going to be someone who's going to try to distract it. Or someone, again, to again try to uh, put it off course. Focus needs to be on life, death, and eternity. Turn to Acts chapter 4. And you want to press in the whoever that person, again, that you might uh, be dealing with, that they must be saved. They must be saved. And they can only be saved one way. You see in the preaching here in Acts chapter 4 with Peter, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is another other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Who is he talking about? Let's go back to verse 10. Be it known unto you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, who God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before the whole. You must be saved through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You must keep them on course. The devil will try to take them off course. Distractions in life might keep them and keep them from staying on the course. I mean, Maybe some struggles for the, through the first lesson might uh, keep, uh, help uh, get them off course. But I'll just mention, again, three things that might help you to keep them on course. First of all, uh, take some time for a small time talk there at the beginning of each discussion. Again, matters that you, they may be dealing with throughout the week or you might be dealing with throughout the, the week. Again, take a, again and, and spend a little time in a two-way conversation, how they're doing, how you're doing. And uh, do that before the Bible study. And then secondly, get, uh, again, take and review the previous study and uh, make sure they know what they had studied and what that study was about. And so review that former study. Lesson one uh, has a lesson two. You need to go back to lesson one and do a little review before you got on to lesson two. Make sure they understand what they've studied, especially with some of these, again, these uh, kind of step-by-step -step studies. And then thirdly, share new material in that new study. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The purpose of these studies is to bring them to a place of faith in God. Faith in the Bible. Faith in God's plan of salvation. Faith in the grace, the, the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace that they can find as sinners that need to be saved by grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 5. The Bible says, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In that study, in every study, you need to emphasize Bible faith. It's not based on Baptist beliefs. It's based on Bible teaching. It's based on the power of God. And so I just want to say this in closing, as I'm talking about staying on, on track in those studies, the materials need to, uh, again, be set on four basic things. First of all, the scriptures. Let's turn to John chapter 20. Why the scriptures? 
John chapter 20, let's turn over there. Why, why the scriptures? It's through the scriptures that they can have salvation. They're not going to get again saved by watching a gospel film. They're not going to be saved by listening to maybe someone sing a song. They're going to be saved by the scriptures and the power behind the scriptures. John chapter 20 and uh, verse number 31, it says that, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. You need to believe he is the Messiah. He's the one who was sent by God. He was the one that was sent by a virgin. He was, again, conceived by a virgin. It says, and the Son of God, and that believing you might have, uh, have life through his name. So they need life through the scriptures. John chapter 8, verse number 34. Let me say this. Secondly, you must center your message. Your Bible study needs to be not only, measured, uh, again, centered on the scriptures, it needs to be centered around the message of sin. John chapter 8 and verse number 34. And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Have you ever seen that before? I hope you know that. Anybody who commits sin is a servant of sin. And it doesn't say you might be a servant of sin. You are a servant of sin. And so you need to become a servant of righteousness. You need to become a servant of God. Jesus said plainly that those that sin are the servants of sin. And so you need to talk to them about sin. But you need to talk to them also there in John chapter 10 about hope that's in Jesus Christ. The hope of the Savior. And so John chapter 10 verse number 7 says this. Verily, verily I say unto I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastors. You need to talk to them about the only Savior. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And you need to talk about the means of salvation. John chapter 1, we already looked at that. They must receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. John chapter 3, verse number 7, they must be born twice. Let's turn back, if we would, to Acts chapter 16. What can be the result of a Bible study? Someone can be added to the kingdom of God. Someone can be added to the church. Someone can be uh, part of the first fruits of a work, which I believe, again, Lydia was when it came to... Uh, again, these gospel workers reaching out to Macedonia. In verse 14, it says, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended on those things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Essentials in Bible studies. For them, we must initiate and engage prospects, we must establish authority, we must avoid foolish questions, we must keep the Bible study on track or on course. And by that, we can have profitable Bible study, whether it leads to eternal life or just knowing what eternal life uh, uh, in, in cases is again basically the goal to sow the Word of God. Let's close as we consider the Word of God here tonight.